similar build up there looking to do damage. Grabbing with his boots. Another sizzling strike from Lewis Grabbing. to play in proceedings, but Lewis Graben might have other thoughts. He is deadly. Into his stride and into the net. The points are safe for Nottingham Forest. Uh-oh, we are in trouble, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Huddersfield Town Social. I am your host today, Greg Mara, joining me again from his lair with his cat, probably meowing in the background. It's Blofeld himself, John Dobson. From down under at 1A, half one in the morning, I suspect it is Ian Kilroy making his debut, coming from a fighting stock of broadcasters, Cameron Pope. Hiya, gents. Wish I was joining after a win, but you can't have everything you want in this life, can you? And finally, the editor of the Smile A While fanzine, Sean O'Toole. Hey, up, guys. Thanks for, having me. Thanks for having me. I think there's no better way to start, but Huddersfield Town's 3-1 defeat against Nottingham Forest, which we just witnessed a matter of minutes ago. Uh, an abject performance with goals either side of half-time. Another shocking performance, a red card for uh, Janinia Bakuna and a consolation goal from the softest of the penalty shouts of the day from Carlan Grant. I don't know who wants to start, but please get into it. I'll open with this. I thought coming into this game, nothing could be as bad as what went down last week and midweek with um, a bit of Twitter banter. But as it turns out, the 11 that started today and the few subs that came on looked to me like they've already accepted relegation. The team today looked... It just looked awful. It just looked so bad from the off. We could have been, what, 2-0 down in the first six minutes. Toffolo got done twice, three times before um, the Cowleys changed the formation entirely. It was just so bad all the way through. We created absolutely nothing again. We created nothing last week against Wigan, and we created even less today. We had four bazillion corners to three, yet they're the team that bagged from a corner later on. It was, it was just a team that looks like they're still on holiday. It looks like they're still on the break. It's just there's no ideas, no creativity, and, and, and no real desire to drive forward, and that's what you need. It looks like a team that as soon as it goes 1-0 down, it's over. The game's lost. We aren't, we aren't getting anything. I'd like to echo what Ian's just said, to be honest, about looking at a team that is just completely bereft of confidence and that seems to have accepted our fate. Like, I don't recognise a lot of the leaders in that team anymore. I look at 
someone like Christopher Schindler. He just seems to be a shadow of the man he used to be. I mean, looking at that, I think uh, Paul Ogden echoed this in his commentary, coming in for that last that corner in the last couple of minutes, and uh, the ball's floated across it, a lovely six-foot height for him, and he's just not attacked it. And we just seem to be... To, to be scared again of, of throwing ourselves, that's what we saw it again from him. And I, I don't wish to just single him out. I feel like the problems expand far beyond just him. But, you know, looking at the cross for um, for the first Wigan goal last week, and it was the same story. We just look like we, we, we're resigned to, to, to what's going to be. And it, it's reminiscent of looking at a team like Norwich in the Premier League. You look at our position and imagine we were 24th. It just seems that they've, they don't see a route out of it. And we're going through the motions a little bit now. With, with the corners... And this this comes quite nicely to the team lineup. We had eleven to their three. We we didn't really look like scoring from a single one because we were relying completely on on Richard Steam and, and and Christopher Schindler for any height in there. Chris Schindler's never been the best in the air. Do you have to then look towards? And I, I am focusing completely just on on I'm playing the devil's advocate really, just on the height of the team. Would you then look at? readjusting the starting lineup to try and make sure you've got a little bit of metal in height. Obviously, Steve Mooney is unavailable, but you know Trevor Chalaber, who's, who's sitting on the bench, and uh, you know before the the the, the three month break that we had due to COVID, um, he was definitely part of that team and instrumental in that team that was picking up points. Would you get him involved? I mean, it's it's difficult really because. Again, we're in a horrible position now with seven games to go. We, we don't know what that best 11 is. And um, the only thing we can say for sure is that it's not that one that was out today. Um, I'd be open to Chalabar coming in for a, for a bit more of a role. I would have been open to even Bakuna coming in because he's got that, that flair. He's, the, bit, the dynamism that you want to see, you want to see someone just taking it into their own hands, but just not in the way that unfortunately we saw today. Uh, I was wondering perhaps whether Stankovic might be um, worth looking to. I think mean, Schindler is really struggling for confidence at the moment. Uh, we've got another game coming up in midweek. It's, you know, we could do a bit of rotation. This could be the time. So in terms of the height, I mean, Stankovic, he's not known for being, you know, in a, um, flying through the air and, and, and bagging lots of goals for us, but he's a presence, you know, and I think we need to, we need to try out a few of the lads who, who haven't seen as much time yet. And I think, you know, Chalabar, he's, he's proved what he can do. Um, he's got a great goal uh, away at Cardiff. He can certainly pull him. We need someone who's going to have something to fight for. I, I wonder whether it would be better going for a lad who's not uh, on loan, shall we say, who may have something to, to play for in that respect. But you know, it's difficult now because we just don't know what the answer is. We, we spoke about bringing Chalabar on and why... We were amazed he didn't come on last week instead of Hogg. Hogg offers nothing, getting the ball from the defence, taking it forward, progressing through the thirds. There's nothing there that he just, just he just can't do it. That's not his game. He wins the ball really well. He can play a really simple, real simple ball sideways and backwards. Forward's a bit of an issue for him. And Chalabar just offers that little bit more, and he did today when he came on. But <sighs> it's still it's still not. I don't think that'd change the entire fortunes of the team. We've spent. 18 million on a centre-back in Congolo, right? And now we're left with Schindler and um, Stearman, who both, to me, look like the legs have gone a little bit. Centre-backs seem to, they seem to just fall off a cliff somewhat once they reach their early 30s. And, and um, the pair of them, just, they just look like they've gone. There's no pace there. Today, Stearman and a couple of offsides, he, he, he has to sit so much deeper than everybody else, right? Because he's so slow. He doesn't have the pace anymore. He doesn't trust himself. So he drops deeper and deeper. And what we had before today was Danny Simpson at right back. And time after time, you'd notice Danny Simpson had covered nearly as a sweeper for the centre-backs. We don't have him anymore because he's, he's gone off. <laughs> he's gone. Um, so we're left with Stearman and Schindler, both of them who have next to no pace. 
We spent 80 million on one centre-back. We had Zanka, who was, on his day, one of the best centre-backs we've probably ever had at Huddersfield Town. And now look what we're left with. We brought in Elphick on a three-year deal for a 30-odd-year-old bloke who lasted, what, eight weeks. And when he first started, he was utterly horrendous until Simpson came in. He was a joke. Now we've got Stearman, who's as bad as his haircut. And then we've got Schindler, who looks like a player I've never, I've never seen Schindler as poor as this. What, what's happened there? I just, so that, that's awful in centre-back. And, and, and they're the guys playing it to the, to the DCMs in, in either Hog, Chalabar or King, who I thought, I thought did a bit better today, King. I, I'm not saying he had the greatest game. He might have been at fault for that second goal. Um, I, I would mention Schindler was out closing down the ball coming in wide, um, wide left as Forrest attack. Don't know why he's, I don't know why he's out there for starters. Don't need um, to be out there. They don't need to be out there. He got, I don't know why he's there. That, that, that shows the problem with the club. For a team that barely two years ago was full of leaders, Wagner came in, brought in how many captains of different clubs? And now you look at the team and they look like there's absolutely zero leaders. We've got no centre-backs that are fit for purpose. And I don't think we've got a winger fit for purpose either if Grant's playing as number nine. We've got holes all over the place and I don't think we can solve it in the next seven games. I think it's over for us, to be honest, after seeing that today. The only saving grace we've got is a lot of our games remaining against teams that have got nothing to play for. And um, thank God for that. Because if, if, we have, if we have to play everybody that was either fighting for relegation or promotion, I think, um, I think League One would uh, already be our destiny. Sean, you've got three pages of notes on the game. Um, what, what were your thoughts on it? Um, well, it's hard, isn't it? It's, it's, it's hard on to call because ultimately we lost. Um, I like to try and look at a glass half empty rather than half full um, I've always been a positive town fan but I'm even struggling a little bit now really and I need to kind of wake up and smell the coffee uh, and yeah I think that on, on a positive side of it I think that Toffolo looks good going forward I think if you look at the first half I think I saw personally and many might not agree with it I think in the first 20 to 25 minutes I saw a bit of a reaction of what I needed to see in terms of town holding the ball, being confident with the ball. And, you know, Toffolo was overlapping quite a lot uh, with O'Brien. They looked quite tidy on that side. Uh, Pritchard were bouncing about, looked like he had good movement. But then again, it's just all in fits and starts. There isn't enough consistency. And then as the game wears on, we just become insignificant and, and look like a team that ain't got any resolve. How many games have we got left, is it? Seven, I think seven, now. I believe. Seven games left. And um, I mean, I never thought we were going to get anything from today, to be fair. Um, Nottingham Forest have looked quite a tidy team all season. You know, like Graben uh, had Schindler in his pocket all day. I, I, I predicted that before the game. He's very strong. He's tactile. He's been around the block in terms of the football pyramid. Um, Graben's a very good player. And, and Schindler struggled with him all day, to be honest, getting in behind. And I agree with you, Ian, uh, Stearman and, and Schindler looked very leggy today. And, and Forrest, you know, capitalised on that. Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think that when you're at that end of any table, whether it's, you know, League One, League Two, whatever, you know, just the luck doesn't seem to go your way. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you rather think when you get the ball into your feet, whether you're playing on Park down the road in Huddersfield or whether in League One, when you're at that end of the table and you, your team aren't playing particularly well, you're over, you can see that the players are overthinking everything that they're doing. You it's know, the fear of making a mistake, isn't it? That's what it is, yeah. Hog, you know, Hog of all people, being an absolute servant to our football club, but even 
him, you can tell his performance is laboured. Um, you know, I think there were at one point when uh, Pritchard got taken out and no one told him man on. You know, you just they're dwelling on the ball too much. There's too much thinking going on and there's just a massive lack of confidence. That, that, that lack of communication has been quite evident in the last two games. Uh, Pritchard a couple of times has been, he's been sold short. And again, Ian says it, there's a lack of leaders on the field and you wouldn't expect that. Hogg shouts a lot. He's, he's, he, you know, he's always up for a, a fight. Not sure what that fight is sometimes. Schindler is, you know, has been club captain. But Stearman came to the club with, with a, you know, it's been a very good top two division, solid centre-back for, the, for Wolves, for Sheffield United. He came with, a, you know, a decent reputation. But it's not transferring to the pitch remotely. And again, that, that lack of communication was there with some of the balls, first half, Pritchard's breaking forward, O'Brien looks to make a run, pulls back, Pritchard plays the ball anyway. It, it, they did not look like a team that's had any kind of coherent training session in the last month. Well, maybe they haven't. It's a fair point. Uh, but surely, surely you have to start looking at characters in that pit, uh, in that in that squad and bit realising who's up for the fight or not. Because I know it's very simplistic terms and it's going to sound like plastic Churchillian, but you, you need people to scrap when you're in a relegation battle. And it doesn't look like to be those kind of players on the pitch currently. I think Andy King did uh, quite well today. I know, I can't remember what I was saying earlier, they didn't think he played too well. I think there were quite a lot that Andy King were doing off the ball that might not be that noticeable. I think, you know, just them little nicks, you know, putting the shoulder in, you know, just that clever sort of experienced play. I think Andy King did quite well. And I rate Andy King personally. I think that he could do quite well for us. Lewis O'Brien, I think, did okay. Um, my favourite player today was Pritchard. I don't think he should have come off when he did. Um, I think he's he kind of showed a little bit of experience in terms of what, what he's got to offer. His set pieces were brilliant. He was flying them balls in there, perfect height for anybody. When you're talking about putting Stearman and Schindler in there, them balls were, were on a plate for anybody who has any sort of football in mind to attack the centre of that box. Pritchard's picking the ball up really, really deep and covering left-back as well. You need him much further up the field. Um, but he's dropping deeper because he sees a problem further back. And it all stems from the back. You know, it's a simple Cruyffian philosophy. It, the, uh, you know, it, it all comes from the back, from the people who can see more of the pitch. If, he, if he's dropping that deep, as the cat gives himself clean, um, if he's dropping that further back, then you've you completely disjointed anything going forward. And, it, and it's a team in bits. If there is a plan, they ain't executing it. And if there isn't a plan, then something far more fundamental is going wrong. But, but talking of disjointed as well, I think that is maybe sort of a problem that Hogg drops into as well. I feel that really he's slowed down so much in recent years as well. And I know he brings a lot in terms of experience and he is a leader in a time where you do need leaders. But as we said already, the game slows down so much when it comes through. And I get so frustrated when you see overlaps just dying at the moment when he has to look two times, three times, check who's left, check who's right. It's like he's always trying to find the best option. And I do actually feel for him because he's been such a great servant to the club. Um, and this is definitely, 
his level, even in his age now. And I feel that he's probably carrying a lot of expectation here and maybe a lot of pressure from the Cowleys too, because he is, you know, one of the only senior players as we've established. But I don't know whether it's this pressure to always have to get it right. I'm not really sure that maybe the burden of expectation is, is getting, it's just getting too much for him. And I mean, I'm so glad he's in the side because of what he brings in terms of, uh, in terms of assistance to the younger men. And I think someone we haven't really touched on so far, I thought D'Amico Dehaney was, was really solid today. I think he, he, he stood in really well, having not, Really had much first-team uh, experience this season. I was really impressed with what he brought uh, at fullback. But again, we're just coming back to the same old question now: like, where are these leaders? Where are these? Uh, where are these men that we need to stand up for us now? Dehaney was great. He was he was fantastic. And if, if you asked anybody who didn't know our team very well, who the established fullback was out of the two that started today, I think everybody would have said Dehaney. Toffolo had another hard day. He had a hard day last week against Pilkington. A really hard day. Pilkington got, I think, in, in the AFL team of the week on um, nearly everyone's account because um, he was so so effective against Toffolo. And I think it's a bit that I think that a little bit of that's on Toffolo trying to create too much going forward because nobody else can, and he feels like he has to offer more to us than than a, a normal left back should. But to be honest, guys, we can talk about individuals, right? Uh, underperforming, overperforming, but. To me, if I look at the squad list, I don't think we are good enough. I, I, th- I don't think that, that player for player we're good enough. I don't think it's a syst- like a systematic issue or a tactical issue. I think the Cowleys are going to have to and have, have had to find extra value with the players we have. They've had to find a system that overperforms. When you consider that we had £250 million, pounds, not given to us, but we earned it by, by playing in the Premier League, and this is where we're at barely 12 months later, it's embarrassing. It's, it's absolutely it's embarrassing that we find. It's really. embarrassing to find ourselves in this situation. We don't have a centre forward. We've got. We don't have a number nine playing. Campbell's come on today, and he's obviously not fit because if he would have been, he'd have started. Pritchard, yeah. Do you know what? Oti, you're right. He, he did okay. He created a bit. A, he, he created chances from set pieces, right? But yeah. you've got to expect your number ten to create chances in set in open play. And how many chances did we have today from open play? None that I can remember. Not one. Toffolo put a really a really crap one over towards the end of the second half that Dan Cowley went a little bit mental at. But we create nothing at all from any place on the field other than set pieces. Set pieces, we have a chance. But to me, the players aren't good enough. And, 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 and unfortunately, it's a hangover from the days in the Premier League where we wasted, we wasted the survival we had on players we didn't need if we weren't going to play a system with wingers. We are paying still for the purchases of Mbenza, Diakabe, Sobe, mm-hmm. all those kind of guys. Even Congolo, 18 million. I never thought we needed him. A team at the bottom of the league spending 20 million nearly on a defender is crazy when it's goals that keep you in the Premier League. And we we never scored enough. We've never scored enough. And um, we never really didn't addressed it. We, when you went up. No, we didn't. And, and, and we brought in Mooney and he started fantastically. And it, I don't think that's the problem. I just think, that second year in the Premier League, we blasted cash on players that either the manager didn't want or didn't need, considering well, the system he wanted to play going forward. I think. Now, isn't it? That he he yeah. didn't necessarily want those. Uh, they weren't even his B list. Maybe not even his C list. So now we're left with having to pay for them still. Oh, yeah. And, and, and a squad that's really weakened. This all comes back. It comes back to that. This last previous summer, right? We got relegated. With the, I think it's the third worst Premier League record in history. Right, well, I say that not, since 92, so not history, but you know what I mean. And we couldn't overhaul the squad. People try and blame Phil Hodgkinson. They say potless Phil and all this type of thing. It's nothing to do with that. 
we overpaid for players that aren't worth what we what we paid for and we can't get rid of them. When you pay thirty million for somebody like Mbenza and nearly ten for, for Diakabi, that money is spread over the cost of the over the length of the contract, right? So it's a four year contract for Diakabi, I think it is, so eight million, two million a year. If we'd have sold him this summer, what would we have got? At best three million, four million. You have to front up all the cash you still have owing on that player. And then you've also got issues with it. if he hasn't requested a transfer to leave, you've got contract issues and you've got to cover certain parts of that. For town to sell players this summer to bring in a new squad would have cost us more money, money that we don't have, especially when we're having to repay um, nearly 50 million to our previous, well, current 25% owner still. We're in this situation because of the crap we signed in that second season. We've not had the money to be able to replace them with stuff like financial fair play prior to COVID. I know it's not an issue now because of that. We had no option. We couldn't do anything. We were, we were hamstrung and, and Phil Hodgkinson was, was stuck with that. We had, to sign, we had to sign players from League One and League Two that came in as squad players, prospects. We, we couldn't change a team that mentally been battered for a full season, not only by teams that they were playing, but by the media, by the fans. And then we expected those guys to go out first game of this season and perform. They were never going to do it. And um, the entire club needs a reset from top to bottom. But I don't know when we're going to be able to afford it. And I don't know what division we're going to be in when we're able to do it. You just hope that there's relegation contracts in those, uh, uh, relegation clauses in those contracts now, because uh, it only looks like it's going one way for me. But I don't think you can put a second relegation, um, a relegation contract clause in, because obviously they got, those guys came in on Premier League wages. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if it reduces twice. I don't think it can, John. I think you're relegated oh. once, you get the reduction in wages. Yeah, I know, I know what you're saying, but I've it's no even idea, worse. <laughs> it's even worse than. It is, it is worst case scenario that we go down this year because we still have players on two-year contracts, three-year contracts remaining. We still owe tens of millions for them. Parachute payments are looking like they're going to be reduced for the next year again. If we don't, if we don't pull something out of these next seven games, we are looking at something more important than just um, what division we're in. I think the financial and the stability of the club is, is at risk if, if, we don't, if we don't find some way of staying up. Can we get another great escape in there? I think great's the word. <laughs> it certainly was in the Premier League. I think now it'd just be a, an escape, and, but maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's just keeping the wolf from the door for a bit. Is there anything today that gives us any kind of hope in the next seven games? Because, bar, again, we, we, we look at creating chances from open play your best chance two chance we hit the bar from a corner uh, Carl and Grant should have done better with a, a, a well worked free kick and we should have had a penalty when Alex Pritchard and even potentially Lewis, Lewis O'Brien was fouled in the box if that was Premier League and that was VAR both of them would, probably, would definitely have been overturned I think and could have had potentially three penalties in the game but aside from those brief moments of, of positivity is there anything that we can actually take out of these first two games? Because I'm struggling. I mean, I feel uh, I'm almost disappointed that the only thing I can really come up with was the fact that we looked, I don't know, half decent from a free kick towards the end of the game. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that was Bakuna and he's not going to be here for the next three matches. So uh, I'm really at a loss as to what we can look forward to on Wednesday night. I just don't know where we go from here. That's pretty bleak. I think in, I, I honestly think I, in the first half there were patches where we played some good football, but 
the football that we was playing was just possession based football. It was there was no penetration there. So I, for me, being a purist football fan, them sort of little triangles, you know, your little one twos and overlaps is all nice and it's good to watch. But you need to win games ultimately, and you need to penetrate. It's all right going side to side and back and forth. You need to put um, the ball yeah. in the neck. And with you on that, Sean, possession is great, but th- there needs to be a purpose to it. Possession for its own sake doesn't take you anywhere. <laughs> Obviously, you're not comparing uh, like we like by saying someone like Barcelona or Ajax in the 70s or something. That's about when you lose the ball, get it back as quickly as possible, as far up the field as possible. It's not about knocking it sideways between the centre-backs and then to Johnny Hogg and then back to the centre-backs. It just goes nowhere. Yes, it does need some sort of dynamic outlet. I don't see where it is. I think the cowlers the are, the are getting tested now, and you know it's down to these next games. It's going to be down to personnel and personality. They're the two bits. We've got to have a bit of guts, maybe try something different. And there's got to be some leaders on the pitch. They've got to come from somewhere. You know, they're in empty stadiums, um, but they've got to know that the fans are watching. And they've got to step up and they've got to get a result from somewhere. But you can't really see, looking at these next fixtures, a guaranteed win anywhere. Even when you're looking at Birmingham, who came back against Hull, you know, they're showing a bit of fight. They're showing a bit of bite. You know, Sheffield Wednesday won uh, recently. You know, Luton, they've been showing a bit, getting wins as well. You know, like... Yeah, that's, results, that's depressing on its own, I hate Yeah, no, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> results are... The people down there now are realising they're in a dogfight, but we still seem to be like sort of floating about, thinking that you know it, it's you know we're all right. Well, we're not. We are in serious trouble, and it's also about not being rash either. You know, from a management perspective, because today the Cowboys went and made five subs, um, changed half the team in in the in the sequence of ten minutes, and then that just that's just a cat amongst the pigeons anyway, because it takes people. 10 minutes to settle in you know you've got to be clever with what you're doing you know whether it be just start Campbell if he's fit or just start Chalaba or have have a decision and, and stick by it don't look so desperate because today we did look desperate with our substitutions I believe I fear the Reaper is, is beckoning at the door but if we do not pick up something on Wednesday night we are truly in free form Greg, do you not think it feels a bit like when we got relegated from League One years ago, well, Division Two at that point, to Division Three? How we just kind of, we we weren't. I'm not saying we were competitive all year. We saw we saw Wads with four three three, and it, I know how terrible that was. <laughs> Jesus um, Christ! But I meant no, right? We 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 were kind of like, oh, we had a chance, and then all of a sudden, last few games of the season, we just we just collapsed. We absolutely collapsed. And to me, it just it just feels a bit like that. It just feels like. I think even different... texting today, I'm getting, I'm getting te- like obviously being here in Australia, everyone knows I support Huddersfield because there's not many people here that support anybody other than the top four. So my phone, everyone's giving me, everyone's saying, oh, you guys look terrible. You look like you're already down. And that's people that aren't anything to do with the club, but they're watching it and it, it looks like that to them. It's not us guys being overly negative. That's what it looks like to third, to third parties. Yeah, it's just seeing that on social media throughout the game, um, people without a vested interest, just exactly that. They look gone. It's such a shame. I took so much pride, um, especially when I was away, um, for example, at, at uni, and you're obviously around, um, as you probably are, in, as you said, around a lot of people who spot different sides. And it's such a source of pride um, to see people taking notice of your team and thinking, oh, wow, you know, little Huddersfield doing well. And, and now it's just completely within, 
you know, at 18 months, it's completely flipped on its head. And it's, an, it's just an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to be that club who, who had a real shot of making something of themselves, uh, wasted it, completely wasted it. And are now, to coin a, a phrase from the Premier League era, sleepwalking into a, a second successive relegation. It, it's, we've just completely capitulated. And, and what started, as we said, you know, after before the restart is a bit of a precarious position, a bit of a look over your shoulder. Oh, hang on, we're a bit closer to the red than we thought. But now we are like seriously in a dogfight and it's not a fight that we're up for. Yeah, I, I, I'm struggling to find the positive and this is when you know it's bad because at least in the Premier League you can accept, yeah, right, well, it's, it's not enjoyable, we're a bit shit. But this time it's like, this is a championship. All we ever wanted as town fans was to be competitive in the championship. And we had one good season at being competitive in the championship, got promoted from it. And we've come back, as Ian said, spunking all that money on a load of poor players in a position that we really can't afford to go down. Just seems to be a horrible circular nightmare sort of pattern. I mean, I mean, I'm I'm I'm, I'm 23. My first my first memory of yeah, all right, don't rub it in, man. <laughs> my uh, I mean, it's been great up until three years ago. All I saw really was promotion. Started off first season ticket fourth division, and there you go. But my first memory from watching town, uh, I went. My, the old man took me down in 2003. Uh, to see um, see us play Peterborough. It was in that season where we were relegated to League Two uh, under Wadsworth. And we couldn't leave the ground at the end. We had to walk down the front and the opposite way because outside the ground, the old town fans were protesting um, to try and get Wadsworth out. And that's what, like, that was, like, born into a baptism of fire. That's what brought me to town. It's been, you know, lovely 17 years forgetting all of that. And then suddenly now it feels like we're descending into it again. It just, I, I don't know, is, is, this, is, this, is this my life now? Is this what it's just going to be forever in, in yes. different cycles? It, yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel, yes, it I feel, is. <laughs> I feel I've cheated everybody. Welcome. I've cheated everybody. Welcome I've, I've to the real world. <laughs> I've been surrounded by like, you know, grumpy old men behind me shouting at players. And I've always forever wondered why um, so many Sorry about that, so bitter. <laughs> it's just one of them, isn't it? And now, now very slowly, I'm starting to cotton on as to like, this is going to be like the rest of my life. It's just going to be an endless cycle of Huddersfield town sadness. But, it, it just I just don't see the way out how I feel like going back to Ian's point it was you know an absolute shitstorm the Premier League really not obviously the promotion part and you know survival and stuff like that but that that second and last season uh, there were just no management there you know it was bad planning and we've just fallen from from the heights so badly uh, and what and pisses it, me off about that Sean what pisses me off the most about that right is when we got promoted, Dean Hoyle spoke about not blowing our brains out. I think that's yeah, actually yeah. what he said. We won't blow our brains out in the second season because Premier League clubs do that all the time and they're left with nothing. And they spoke about all this legacy. We're going to leave a legacy for the club. The legacy is players we've pay- overpaid for on wages we can't now afford. And, and, and it's gonna, the legacy will be that we've, we've dropped dif- division so quickly unless, unless the Cowleys can, uh, can turn this around against yeah. against all the odds, against a bit of FA Sodje, a bit of uh, against against all odds. Believe I was well. I, now I'm going to say I felt very naive because when we uh, kind of the squad we had when we got relegated, I thought, oh, you know what, we might might be a top ten, top ten. But now it's like it's just yeah, this is what we're used to. Cam really the likes of probably me, Ian, and, and the rest of like you know our generation, so to speak, is sort of you know, relegation dogfight. I remember being so 
excited when we finally got back up to the championship and we crawled his way all the way back up from League Two. And I felt like this is our home now. Do you know what I mean? So excited for the likes of your Nottingham Forests and people coming to, to Huddersfield again. Um, but it's looking like, you know, we, we've done it before in terms of a double drop and bad management and bad planning. And it's looking like it could quite easily happen again. I think it's a big test for the Cowleys as well because you know they've experienced little but success in the last few years, um, promotion after promotion and all that, and and now they've they've got a different kind of challenge on their hands, and uh, you really find out what what they're about uh, over these next seven games. So yeah, Huddersfield Town currently sit twenty second in the Championship on goal difference behind Hull City on forty two points. Worth noting, only three points ahead in 18th is Charlton Athletic, so there's still some signs of hope. They're still teasing you. They're still teasing they are still you. teasers, yeah. but Charlton have taken, have taken a couple of good points in the last two games. Middlesbrough finally got rid of... What did you call him last week, John? You said he was a useless... Fucking idiot. <laughs> that was it. Jonathan Woodgate's gone, but you know, but, you know, Middlesbrough got a bit of steel with Neil Warnock. To be fair, they've hired another fucking idiot. Yeah, but one that at least can get them out of that situation. Yeah. A, a, a useful dinosaur. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the best description I've ever heard of Neil Warnock. It's, it's pretty bang on, actually, that, Sean. Uh, even, even Luton and Barnes, they look like they've got something about them. Uh, you know, I'd say the only good thing is Hull are equally as bad. And if you you saw their reaction to the athletic question in their um, running, was it... Mm running of the club uh, on Monday morning. Um, at least we're not as bad as that. I think that's the only saving grace quite at the minute. Um, but it was a strange week to be a Huddersfield Town fan. Obviously, we, we, we did this podcast last, last Sunday. Um, it was dismal, but then it got worse. Um, <laughs> and I think one man can rant about it more than most. And I'll give it to you, Mr Ian Kilroy. Oh, I could go at this for hours. Okay, a loads of town fans. As soon as Phil Hodgkinson joined, became chairman, started out with this potless Phil stuff, and I feel that's entirely unfair. Really, really unfair because at every point this year where we've had to spend money, I feel like he has. Like we've explained, I think over the summer period, he was he was um, strangled by the contracts given to for, to players that we have by our former chairman, our current 25% owner, Dean Oyle, and he gets a pass by the majority of town fans. And obviously, he did a lot of good for the club, more than most previous chairmans have initially. But now he's getting all his money back. Um, and the, the parachute money that we, we kind of, I suppose, as fans expected to remain in the club, isn't. He's repaying back his loans. And Hodgkinson says that's fair enough, that he's allowed to do that. It's governance, apparently. Apparently, that's why it's all been paid back properly and that, and not being reduced in the meantime to help us with COVID. Okay, that, I'm not saying that's wrong legally. That's entirely he's entirely entitled to do that. But it just it, for me it felt a little bit off, and, and I didn't think it would go that way. But anyway, fans seem to take it upon themselves to think that Hodgkins has got no money. Now, again, I think that's nonsense. He brought Simpson in when we needed a defender. Before that, would I think got one point from our entire. Ten games by then, I think we got one point, and then he came in, and all of a sudden we started winning. We did, and he's not a cheap signing. We know that he's on what twenty five, thirty grand a week. I'd guess that's a, that's a guess, but he'd be on good, good money. So you can't question the the, the money he's spent. I think we are over budget. That's been said many, many times, and he he, he 
he didn't sell Carl and Grant in January when there was probably opportunity to do so for, for pretty decent money. Um, and I think if Carl and Grant had have gone, even even though we've noted his weaknesses today, he scores enough goals to, to win his games that probably we, should, we shouldn't have done so. But if it comes down to leadership qualities, I, I think um, Phil Hodgkinson probably couldn't have had a worse year. Uh, I think this year has been absolutely horrendous for him. Um, the first game, I believe, we had under Phil Hodgkinson was the Rochdale, was it Rochdale friendly with the Paddy Power fiasco that ended with him asking the referee to ban us from wearing our ridiculous Paddy Power sash shirts because he didn't want to be um, either legally in trouble with Paddy Power because of the contract we signed or with the FA for wearing a, a sponsorship bigger than, than permitted. He asked the referee to uh, ban a kit. And now I can't remember any of the chairmen doing that, like ever in the history of football. It, it might have happened, but if anyone can, bring, if anyone can give me that example, that would be great. So is, we set if you off. Get into, if you get into bed with a, a banter merchant like Paddy Power, do you play their game? We played it and, and, and they had your trousers we lost it. down. We lost it with the FA. We lost it. Um, maybe that wasn't just Phil Hodgkinson. Maybe that was a little bit to do with the commercial director, who we're also not allowed to speak ill of. But it was it was something that probably set a tone that seems to have continued all year. We've had all sorts of things go on that just seem off, just seem really off. We've had Nick Hart agree to join from Burnley. He agreed to come in. Then all of a sudden, you turn. He's not coming. Oh, okay, all right. So then we've promoted our academy, academy head of academy, uh, Lee Bromby, to our head of football operations. And now, as we know, it's a bit like the, uh, the teacher of dark arts at Hogwarts, our, our head of football operations. It's not, it's not a job anyone seems to want or keep. But Lee Bromby's got it. That makes him, to me, the third most important person at the club, right? You've got, you see, you've got the chairman. We've got two chairmen. We've got two owners. But you've got the chairman, the CEO, and the head of football operations, right? So to me, he's the third person in charge of the club. Is that fair for everyone? Is, is that what we yeah. all, we'd all gather? Yeah, definitely. Right. So last weekend, Danny Simpson has, well, prior to last weekend, he asked for an extra, an extra month's pay. And our understanding is that no one else either asked for it or if they did, they didn't get it and the club said no. Everyone's agreeing to play the extra month under their existing contract terms and money so we'd have to pay them anything else. Now, Simpson, for whatever reason, I'm not saying... He's in the right asking for this, but I don't think it's important anymore. Asked for it. And Lee Bromby said, yeah, all right, we'll, uh, we'll do it. This was before last weekend, remember? He said, yeah, we'll do it. We'll, we'll, give, you the extra, we'll give you the extra pay. And the day after, apparently, um, Saturday morning before the game, he's come back and he said, now we got that wrong. Now he's come out on that HDFC YouTube um, live feed saying it was all him, nothing to do with Phil Hodgkinson. He got that wrong, blah, 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 blah. But ultimately, the club's re- done, a, done a bit of a reneg there that they've verbally agreed to giving him an extra month's pay to play for us for the rest of the season. And now, to me, he's third in charge of the club. I'm pretty sure he should have sign-off to do that. And if not, I'm, I'm, it's pretty surprising that he'd agreed to do it in the first place. And that's just another mockery and a joke of the decisions we've made this year as a club. And I cannot believe it, it was not only allowed for him to do a U-turn, but nobody stepped in and thought to save the... To save the image of the club, we'll just give Danny Simpson that extra, that extra month's pay. Because now the thing is, we're not going to have much money next year. We're going into this looking for players probably on the cheap, yeah? Uh, free transfers and, and the like. And they're going to come in now thinking, we, we go back on promises that we make. We're, we're untrustworthy. 
one of our one of our statement one of our words in our charter is integrity. And now, to me, if you make a verbal agreement in, in a position of the head of football operations, does it show integrity to then to then go back on something you verbally agreed? To me, it just doesn't sit well. And the leadership, not only on the pitch as we discussed earlier, doesn't seem to be there. The leadership off the pitch seems lacking. And this is even before we lost to Wigan and, and um, somebody went on Twitter welding a, a heavy block hammer to anyone that said something a bit, uh, a bit nasty. Um, but it just seems to me like it's a bit of a circus down there at the moment. That's and just at Huddersfield Town in general, though, isn't it, Ian? Do you know what I mean? Like, we, when it comes to big decisions or definitive decisions, we tend to look like a small-town club. And this is why we get the mockery from our neighbours down the M62 and other football clubs, because we don't make the right decisions. We don't do them right. The Paddy Power thing was an embarrassment. You know, obviously this Danny Simpson thing, it couldn't be timed worse. Um, you know, for the sake of a month's wage to sort of keep morale at the right level at this moment in the season, would it be worthwhile giving him what he wanted um, for a play of his experience? I'd probably say yes. Um, but then again, would it be counter-effective because he got it and the others didn't? Um, we could have said no, Sean. This is the thing that gets me. We could have yeah. said no. If he said, I want that extra month's pay, and at that point, right, we say, no, mate, you can't have it. You either play or you leave. Everyone else has agreed. Everyone else is going to play. It's just yeah. you not doing it, right? But we didn't. We said, or we might have done, but eventually, Lee Bromby said, yeah, right? Yeah. Then for the club to go back to Simpson and say, no, we got that wrong. If I was in Simpson's boots... To me, the club has shown no loyalty to me. They've promised something. They've said that they do something and now they're not doing it. I'd have left. I live clubs all the time. Though. So oh, that's, yeah. that's, not, yeah. that's not anything major. <laughs> Same, I play yeah. for more clubs than any. I'm like Nigel Quasi <laughs> when it comes to amateur football, me. But um, it, was, it was offered something verbally by the head of football operations. And the day after, 90 minutes before, before a game, he found out. The agent must have found out earlier. They should have stopped it. Was that, that, wasn't the, then he, that wasn't the case. And then... Let, let's move on to this part. He starts in the game. He starts in a game that is one of the most important of our entire season. Danny Simpson, 90 minutes prior, finds out Town have done a U-turn and we expect him to go out right back and put his all into a game that matters so much to the club. It's embarrassing that that happened and I cannot believe either the chairman or the CEO or the head of football operations or even, even to be honest, the manager's allowed Danny Simpson to play. There is no way he's a, he should have played in that game because his mind can't have been properly on that game. And he was subbed after 60 minutes after a performance that I'd say everyone would agree was lacking. And um, how, how is that surprising considering what happened? There's, there's also a sense of, of lack of professionalism in, in general. From that, you've got the chairman going on Twitter. He's finally come off it. Oh, anyone negative is getting blocked. But quite rightly, if you're on a public forum, you're going to get asked questions that you're not going to like. But anyone who here has worked on a fixed-term contract, myself included, if you are given a fixed-term contract, you are expected those terms to be uh, delivered. Uh, I think it's fair to say. And what's most unprofessional is that the people leaking stuff at the club to in-the-know fans who are putting crap on town banter page on Facebook, on Twitter, saying that, oh, he's been demanding this extra money. And then the club kind of, you know, Lee Bromby himself, it was a moral decision. It's not moral to ask to be paid for that extra month. It is up to the football club to, if, oh yeah, they've been paid for three months beforehand, 
for not playing any football. But it's up to the football club to renegotiate those deals. Arsenal did it. Everton did it. All the Premier League clubs did it. Why couldn't Huddersfield Town if you don't want to pay that money? Again, it lacks professionalism to expect players to do that. And if those other players are, are, are willing and happy to play for free, they, they really shouldn't be doing that. They're doing it as a favour for the football club. So th- this castigating of Danny Simpson as the bad guy by some people, and it's been done deliberately to make him look like a, a wrong one. When it comes to the world of work and contracts, it's not right. And I've, I've had those problems with fixed-term contracts when, when I said I wasn't going to sign a new one. They said, oh, you've got to give four weeks notice. He said, no, I don't, because I'm a fixed-term contract. Same with Danny Simpson. You know, if he wants to ask, be asked to pay for that extra month, which he's playing for the club, and you'd assume he'd be starting every or nearly every single game, there's nothing wrong with it. And it, it, it just goes to the whole point and the, the feeling that we're just still in fucking League One. We've been a League One club even when we got promoted to the Championship, when we get promoted to the Premier League. The, the Paddy Power thing. They're not having a sponsor when we get promoted to the Premier League. What the hell happened with that? That was you know, shocking. That... Well, he didn't have a sponsor. It was just wonky, Greg. It was just a bit off-centre. It, it was just not I, quite... Uh, I don't think, I don't think we had one for a while, yeah, yeah. And then it was a manufacturing difficulty. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it's, it's not run as a proper football club. You don't see any other clubs having this problem. Why is like, Huddersfield Town? It's like the Hacienda no, like the the thing. Thing. in the 90s. <laughs> when the phone, thing, whoever answers the phone makes the decision. <laughs> no, that's the thing, Greg, right? Dean Hoyle was the club. Well, Dean, Dean Hoyle was the infrastructure of the club. He was what got us to the Premier League. And I'm not saying he didn't make mistakes. I have so, mu- so many issues in regards to closing the academy. We're a community club, yet we've closed an academy. So every lad that grows up in Huddersfield now their aspirations of playing for the club doesn't go through actually playing for the club as a youngster. And that, to me, is something I find just wrong for a club of our stature. And, and I'll, I will sing that and scream that until the day we reopen our academy. So, Phil Hodgkinson, if you're listening, if you reopen our academy, I'll never, I'll never question anything else you ever do because it's so important for the youngsters of Huddersfield that play football and the surrounding areas. It's an incredible... Dean Hall was the club. There was no infrastructure. There was nothing. It was Dean Hoyle. Dean Hall was the infrastructure of the club, right? And what happened is he got ill, didn't he, towards the, in, mm-hmm. in the end of the second season. Yeah. And then once he wasn't there, everything kind of fell apart. And since he, then... He was the glue. Anybody. He was the glue that held it together. He was. When things were shit, he'd, he'd have a meeting down at some dodgy pub in London and everyone would turn up and get a free pint and everyone would be happy again. We don't have that anymore. That's kind of... That, that Band-Aid isn't, doesn't exist. And, and we're left... It's like we're on a ship without a captain at the moment. Um, and I don't know if, if it will be rectified quick enough to save us from um, a hole that will take us a long, long time to get out of. Well, under Hoyle, there was an awful lot of work that was done to reintegrate the club with the community. Um, something that was you know, particularly sort of a Barry Rubri era, I'm thinking, was, was totally ripped apart. That seems to have gone again, and the academy's part of that. Um, it just feels like another football club, whereas before it did feel like part of the town. The people even in the town who aren't fans, I count myself in, among that, had a stake in it. Don't feel that anymore. There, there was something. There was something to be so proud of, and like in in that 
that season, that amazing season, the first Wagner season, full season in charge, and and then the ensuing promotion, there was just there was a buzz about the town. Yeah. I mean, I was I, I was I was living in Liverpool at the time, and I, I used to I, I you know I I didn't have a season ticket that season because I was at uni, and I ended up coming back and spending about twice as much as I would have done coming back and paying thirty pound for a ticket because I want I wanted to be part of it. The moment you got off, like the moment you got off the the, the train, just the buzz in town, everyone was so excited. I've never felt that around the club, and it just it just seemed. When we went to the Premier League, the banners everywhere, those three kits down in, in St. George's Square. It made me it made you so emotional, like it felt like there was a real drive and that we were all part of something. And then, you know, we always knew that this wasn't gonna last forever and it was gonna change in some form. And then when it sort of emerged that Dean had said, you know, perhaps quite rightly, I can't take this club any further and we may have to, to move it to someone. And we were looking at, okay, who's going to be the next prospective in, investor? And I think my biggest worry was, are we going to sell the ethos of the club? Do we want to, you know, go and try and push for a top 10 and just get taken over by some conglomerate and not be this community club anymore? But, you know, we've, we've, we've kept some aspects of our identity, but they're the wrong ones. We've kept this small <laughs> town club feel, but we don't have anything to be proud of anymore. Now we're just a laughing stock. And it's, this is probably the the, the biggest loss we've we've lost this community spirit that had us all going together this this drive and it's not you know cute to be that pre- that little small town club who made it to the Premier League and is fighting on a shoestring anymore with a team that actually made it lucky and, and threw it all away and now there's going to be people growing up in Huddersfield these young lads who, who aren't going to be wearing town shirts now because who, who could bring their kid down to watch a, a game of this and try and get him into it for life it's we've lost that 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 that, that that, that unique like USP that we've had, it's, it's all gone in a matter of 18 months because we've handled it so badly. And, and I, I, I don't really hold Dean you know, accountable for much of that because I think he just did so much for this club and he made it into something that beyond anything that any of us could ever have dreamed of. And in the last 18 months, we're just the husk of what we were. It, John's right, it feels like a different club. And it's, it's just all that, that, that team spirit, that terrier spirit, that's just a distant memory now. And, and, and it just seems that, you know, we moved on and we tried to preserve it, but there's just like an empty hollowness that's left. And I think the terrier got put down. <laughs> well, uh, you know, it, it comes to infrastructure, though, and, and that's the one thing that you should always take out of a football club when they've got money and got the infrastructures in place. You look at how it's running the background, and there were de- there's always been some kind of a way of trying to move the club forward. You add that with the introduction of Ross Wilson into the football club and then through Stuart Webber. Some, and then, you know, football operations trying to have the infrastructures that if people left that we could get the better people or people are equal to those in, involved or different options. Then you, you had that with Wagner. Uh, he had a style of football. Limited, let's be honest. I think uh, we, we can all see uh, the issues within that, that we didn't really have a plan B. But it works because it got the best out of the players that we had in a very small squad and we achieved the unachievable um, in, in 2017. But the club infrastructures just aren't there. And couple that with that, <laughs> there's terrible signings, couple it with going to players, verbally agreeing contracts. You are going to be, it's going to be so difficult to get people into this football club. Because how the hell do you sell it? If, well, if yeah, we stay it, the way it all played out in public as well is really, really harmful. Well, it, it's just bonkers. And, you know, you have to start going. And, and this, the thing that really, really pissed me off was when Lee Bromby tried to use the word morality about Danny Simpson. It wasn't a moral thing. You agreed to it. You're the one in the wrong. Oh, it wasn't morally right for us to do this. You agreed to it in the first place. 
you, re- you, you going back on your word has done a hell of a lot of bad for the football club. That player's agent, he's got, uh, you know, Simpson's going to have mates who are now going to look at this football club and think, oh, do I really want to go there? Yeah, that agent What's... isn't going to be solely representing Danny Simpson. No, of course not. And, and listen, well, we got the Mark pl- Twain. Great, we got the Mark Twain quote. We saw Phil Hodginson come out and he's like, what to say, there's more to a story than what you hear or something. <laughs> Mark Twain, yeah, it was worse than what we all expected. <laughs> ended up, it wasn't that Simpson was just being an arsehole. It was, not, it was that the club also agreed to it and then, then went back on it. It's just, it's been an absolute joke from, from the off. And, 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 and what's, the only thing that's come of it, and Town speaking out about it, and when I say Town, I mean uh, the chairman online on, on Twitter, is he's alienated more fans. We're a club with a depleting fan base as it is. I don't think, Season ticket sales for next year would have been as great as they have been recently. And just to make that even worse, just to compound the situation, Hodgkinson's gone on, on Twitter and I looked at every tweet he sent, the, the ones he added and, uh, and wrote himself. And to be fair to him, I, I, I don't think, he, I don't think he, Phil stepped over the line himself at all. I don't think... And the abuse he received from people was unacceptable. And... Um, that there's never a, don't be a twat, don't act. That's what I that's what, that's what I always I always say. Um, there was no reason for people to give him the abuse that they did. But as soon as we saw his first tweet, Greg, you and I spoke of it. You knew what were coming. You knew people wouldn't take well to it. We'd just been beaten by a club that we're we're in direct competition with to stay in the league, to stay in the division. Sorry. And um, he's on there giving out a little bit. Of course, he's going to get a bit of shit. The problem is now he's alienated another few, another what ten fans or so that probably aren't going to buy season tickets. And we, with what's going on with with COVID, we need everybody there we can get. And the only thing that actually happened from him going on there is is more more alienation, more distance between the fans and the club. And again, like we said, John, like John said, and and Cam said, it's not the club that we know. It's not the club that we've we've grown to love over the last say what. 10 years, even through failure, even Peterborough at Old Trafford, which was one of the worst days I imagine most of us have, have had following town. It felt, that felt wrong, but it still felt like our club. That's it. Our drum call that game. <laughs> That's right to watch it. Yeah. Especially afterwards. But um, even then, it still felt like our club, but we were just going through a, a, a bit of a troubling time. And now you look at it and you think, is it our club? Don't feel like my club. It feels like the loads of people have come in and started taking over. Um, when you hear the CEO talk and the uh, commercial commercial dude, it's not. It's just not. Just doesn't sound like our club anymore. It just it feels different, and 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 it's not a good different. The results show it's not a good different. And um, if we win next week, then everything will be fine again. If we win Wednesday, yeah, great. I don't care. Lovely. Three points. Staying up. I don't but, think um, he helped himself, Phil. Though um, to be fair, because I, I don't think he's had that. I mean, fair play to him. You know, he's had the balls to come in straight after Dean Hoyle. Do you know what I mean? It's like trying to replace someone like Dean Hoyle, what he's done for the Fabricar Football Club in modern era is like, you know, it's, I think he knew in his deepest of hearts that he would never be able to achieve anywhere near the same as Dean Hoyle. Um, but I think he came in, and that, what I remember, I don't know if I remember it incorrectly, you guys will probably be able to let me know, but when, when he first took over as chairman, there was quite a massive gap before he actually spoke to anybody. I think so... You've got someone who's kind of got that working class vibe about him, who's, um, you know, 
being seen in the terraces and, you know, took over the club, you know, built up his own business and really connects with the fans. And then Phil came in and he was like utterly quiet for quite a while. And then he came out of the woodwork and had a bit of a chat, but came across to me a little bit wooden. Um, and then now I think he's just kind of struggled to have the right balance with the fans. So to be fair to him, do you know what I mean? He's a town fan. Um, you know, he's, he's obviously a very good businessman and, and he's, he's grafted in his own right. But, you know, tweeting back and forth with um, your armchair critic town fans over Twitter is not healthy whatsoever. You know, it's like... No, that's only ever going to go one way. It's just stupid, really. You know what I mean? If you're managing a shop floor and they're all arguing, then you just go out there straight after the dinner break and start arguing amongst them. The morale is just going to go one way. Do you know what I mean? And, and I heard his interview and he was basically saying that, you know, I was brought up to treat people how they treat me. Well, no, mate, you're in a suit. You're the chairman of a football club. You've got to take the moral high ground. It's leadership. We see it in, in, in this country at the minute. Uh, it's not been great, but it's even worse in America. It's all down to leadership. It's all how you come across, how you engage with people. I work in media relations, I work in PR, I know this. If I would give Phil Oskerson some advice, step back, don't go on social media, don't go on uh, any interviews or stuff like that where you're going you're gonna to just come across as being divisive. Take, take a couple of weeks and then come out all guns blazing when you have to. Be a leader, and I don't think he is coming across as a leader. And ultimately... As fans, we are all sheep and we will follow. But if we don't like what we're following, we will all disperse. It's as simple as that. And at the minute, everyone here is not liking what they're seeing. We are at a crucial point in this football club's history, for me, with the impact of COVID-19, because this isn't going to be solved for September. This isn't really going to be solved until touch wood that vaccine works or we all, unfortunately, have to go through herd immunity. It's going to be one of the two. One of the two finances are going to be completely white. It's going to be completely different football scene. We can't get relegated. It would be devastating if we got relegated. You see fans saying, oh yeah, we need to go down and reset. I've said that before. I was stupid. Naive. It doesn't work like that. You know, you would read any book around football, Moneyball, etc. It even says that you need to be at a certain level to achieve certain things. Well, we if, need if to we reset. Every time we went down, we'd be absolutely bloody marvellous by now. Exactly. And you only have to look at uh, all the clubs who've, who've kind of gone, look at Bolton. They probably thought going down, they'd reset. But it just creates more and more issues because you still have to pay back what you owe. It's bonkers. And, you know, we could probably talk about this for the next hour. But you just hope in these next two games over the next week, we can get two points would be a start one win would be amazing we just need some momentum and when it get when you get into relegation battles it is all about momentum and I always say Jeff Horsfield but we don't have Jeff Horsfield unfortunately so uh, that's what we are at the minute we're 22nd and we've got a bloody big game on, on uh, midweek on Wednesday night against Birmingham um, how do you think we're going to get on boys this is how we're going to finish Birmingham, Birmingham are be on holiday. I know they drew with Hull yesterday, but they won't play a defensive formation like Wigan did against us. They'll play pretty open. And I think when teams play open against us, we play better. We can't break teams down, but if there's, if there's space there to attack, then, then we'll probably do, do better than we have done. Um, I, think, I think 
even after all this shit we've just spoken, I think, I think we've, I think we've got a win in this on, uh, on Wednesday. I think we'll do all right. I think there'll be quite a big uh, change in the starting lineup. I don't expect us to start with, with the front three that we we did today because. We'll look, I, I've seen him now for two games and I, I, I actually don't know what he offers other than uh, turning about 15 times to make sure he can put a cross in on his right foot. I don't think he's got a left foot to kick with. I think that's just for standing on. I think there'll be a, 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 bit, of a, a bit of a change to, to, to go for some uh, extra firepower and, and it has to start with starting a number nine, even if it's Kachunga. But Grant on the left, he lobsides defence, he overloads on that left-hand side, he gets between their right-back and their centre-back and he causes problems. That allows the rest of the team to come up and push into the space created by teams having to double up on him. As soon as we, as soon as we can do that, if we can put Grant on the left, we'll uh, we'll create something, maybe one chance a game instead of none, Ooh. like we've been doing for the last couple of games. So oh, you know, uh, achievable goals, you've got to start somewhere. That's it. Maybe another cheap penalty will. Maybe another cheap penalty will win it. But um, I think Grant not playing nine will be the biggest the biggest change, and um, Birmingham not realistically in, in a relegation battle and certainly nowhere near the playoffs will will definitely help us and if you look at the results around the since the restart teams in mid-table that have got nothing to play for are actually nearly losing every game the, the form guide for those guys have just gone as John said last week there is no form anymore we've got one two games now and the mid-table sides definitely seem to be suffering I think any side as well who, who, who allows a team like Hull who haven't won in the league since New Year's Day to control a game and obviously uh, just have enough in the tank to fight back from it, that has to be uh, a positive. And I think you know, he's quite right. The games that we've got to look at now for points would have to be Wednesday, although that could change, points pending. Um, you look at perhaps, you might look at, say, Reading and you'd probably say Birmingham. Those are the three because exactly it's not teams who are scrapping with you and it's not teams who've got something to go for. And so that really, I think, is, is, is the litmus test now. And I think, well, I said this, you know, privately ahead of the Wigan game, but I think this is even bigger in that the season will go one of two ways from this point now, really. And if we do come out all guns blazing, grab a 2-0 two-goal win, then we're going to have a completely different conversation. It'll be what was all that fuss about. But... I really can't predict this one. You know, we've all been watching town too long to know that it just really is no way of knowing. And I think, again, it depends what sort of Birmingham side comes out. But we don't need any more motivation than we've already got. So, you know, I'm, I'm ready to see what happens. You hear it on Five Live and TalkSport every Saturday. The championship is so, so unpredictable. Um, you know, we could wreck his heads trying to pick out sort of statistics and points. But really, ultimately, we're all guessing, aren't we? Um, you know, Birmingham have always been a bogey team for us. I just don't ever like going to St. Andrews. Um, I think if we get a draw at Birmingham, that'll be a good result going back up. I, I'll play advocate. I, I'm not Mystic Meg, I'll be Mystic Greg. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, oh. You've, you've, been keeping that, you've been keeping that in a locker for a while. Nil-nil uh, written all over it, but if Birmingham score first, town lose. Well, that's been like that for three years. <laughs> yeah. It has, but if, you, if, you, if you're in a relegation battle like we are, as soon as you go 1-0 down, it's game over. You might as well turn the TV off. We aren't coming back from 1-0. There's a reason why bookies pay out if you're losing at half-time. Because it just, if you're a relegation threatened team, there's any, any adversity thrown your way, just everyone collapses. On that note, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. This lovely Saturday afternoon. It was raw. It was funny. It was it's enjoyable. So Sunday. It's Sunday, mate. Is it? What day is it? What day did I say? Monday. Saturday. Saturday. Oh, well, Saturday should, football should be played on a Saturday. Correct. 
But uh, yes, thank you for for your time this this Sunday afternoon. May Christ be with you and all that jazz. Uh, we, he wasn't we, we, here today. <laughs> he was uh, he was very much in Nottingham though, looking over Brian Clough and, and that Nottingham Forest side. It's Huddersfield Town sat in the relegation zone. Fans that dismayed the football club in trouble. We're used to it. Thank you for listening.